Good to see you again. My name is Josh, one of the pastors here. Glad for those of you who are with us uh, online and that you can join us. And yeah, as they mentioned, today's my birthday and that did, that happened yesterday. I was trying to buy some glass for a frame that I broke and I was ready to pay for it. She gave me the price and she could tell him maybe I thought it was a little expensive. And she goes, well, are, are you 55? <laughs> I said, no, not quite. Not quite there. 43 today. So uh, hopefully I'll see 55. Or, or better yet, Jesus will return. That'd be even better. Hey, uh, a little bit of business here before we get, get started this morning. Uh, those of you who are uh, part of our church family and have committed to membership, especially this is for you, uh, on uh, May 23rd, Sunday, May 23rd, we're going to have a special business meeting of the church that day following the second service. And uh, about a month ago, we presented to you just some info on uh, the 30 for 30 update, kind of where we're at financially on that. And God's been very gracious and uh, the need to, to do some work in our parking lot. And so there's going to be a vote that day just to, uh, to move forward with it by, by approving uh, the ability to borrow financing uh, for whatever we're not able uh, to pay out of pocket and be able to, to do all that in a timely manner. Um, and there's a lot of info we've presented, all that. I'll share a little bit just more about it with you now. But as you leave, too, you'll get a piece of paper with all this info. Um, and it'll go out via email tomorrow as well. But um, a couple of things that this plan calls for as we expand uh, that parking uh, is expanded entrances and exits onto 1300 North. And, and by the way, you know, something like this is really, it's an investment in uh, the institution side of our church. You know, that we'd, we'd be here a, a long time by God's grace, spreading the gospel long past, hopefully any of us, if Jesus doesn't return. And just a, an issue of care for people as they arrive and so that they can see God's, uh, God at work and his goodness and uh, not get a flat tire when they pull in, you know, all that good stuff. Um, but expanded entrances, an additional uh, 180 plus paved spark, parking spots. That'll uh, ebb and flow a little bit just as the design is refined. Uh, better traffic flow, an updated apron on the front entrance to the church, uh, increased and updated exterior lighting. You know, right now, if you're here at night, the lighting close to the church is, is really good and bright, but as you get out into the parking lot, it, it gets pretty dark. And uh, we've, we're looking at, are there ways we can kind of update that in the meantime with something that we could move to a new pole when uh, this all happens so we don't waste our money, but if not, we're, gonna, we're not going to throw money at that until uh, we can move forward with all of it. Um, uh, but a new retention pond then on the far east end for water to drain to and all of that good stuff. And as you leave this morning, you'll get a piece of paper with all of this, including a little map that kind of shows the general layout. And again, this is uh, from early days. So this is, uh, has been, will be adjusted as we move forward just to accommodate things. But uh, big thing for you to know, Sunday, May 23rd, if you're a member, uh, we'll have a short meeting after the 1045 service that day uh, to vote on moving forward and uh, the ability to uh, secure financing for that. You know, uh, there's a lot of good things, that being one of them, happening at Wallace Bible these days, aren't there? A lot of good things that we see happening from people trusting Christ, the baptisms, we mentioned uh, uh, parent-child dedication coming up in a couple Sundays. We're going to just, there's going to be a slew of kids during both services being dedicated that day and prayed over. Just a lot of really exciting and good things. God's been really, really gracious to us. We have a lot to praise him for, but you know, the, the, the good things aren't always the norm, are they? 
It doesn't, doesn't always go that way. As much as we'd like it to, as much as I like it to, the reality is life can be incredibly hard. Maybe more days than not. Um, you know, we're in a series in First Peter, and uh, Peter has uh, spoken a lot to us just about trials and suffering, and he does again today. And I told my wife this morning, I said, man, I'm, I love God's word. I love Peter, but I'll be glad when we can quit beating the suffering drum. But evidently, God has things to teach us still. And so that's where we're at, and we're going to look at that this morning. And uh, why don't you read with me from 1 Peter chapter 4, starting in verse 12, and you can uh, follow along as I read. This is our passage for today. Uh, Peter says this, Beloved, loved ones, uh, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin in the household of God. And if it begins with us, what shall be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And, he quotes from Proverbs here, if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. This is the word of the Lord. And uh, we're gonna unpack it together this morning, but first let me pray, and then we'll work our way through this passage. Let's pray. Um, <clears throat> Father, thanks for Jesus, and thank you for your word. <clears throat> or thanks for uh, speaking truth to us in your word about uh, the realities of life, good and bad, uh, easy and hard. And um, thanks for giving us instruction for, for how to live and to, to trust you and to know that uh, it, through the midst of all of it, you're in control and you love us and you keep your promises. Holy Spirit, would you uh, work through me today, teach me even as I teach your word, and uh, might all of us, myself included, Lord, leave, leave changed, encouraged, uh, but, but changed to be more like you and to trust you and love you even more. Thanks that you loved us first, and we pray all this through Jesus, amen. Well, Peter kind of tells us right off the bat, he says, beloved, don't be surprised, and what he's saying is, don't be surprised if you suffer. Don't be surprised if you suffer. I mean, let, let's just read actually what he says. He says, beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. When he says uh, fiery trial, uh, you might think of Proverbs 27, 21 that speaks of the crucible being for silver and the furnace for gold and how God refines us and he refines his people because we're precious to him. And he wants to make us pure and make us more like his son. And so he allows things and sometimes even sends things to refine us. That fiery trial, uh, some, I think I mentioned earlier in this service, have said, well, maybe that refers to Nero, like a literal 
persecution in that day. I think uh, even as I've studied the book of Peter more over the last couple months, I think more and more though, it's more likely that it's referring here, Peter is referring here to this idea of a refining fire, that, that God is refining us and, and conforming us into the image of Jesus, into our true selves. And uh, ultimately what he says, he says, don't be surprised then when it comes. And why does it come? It comes to test you. He's saying this is only a test. It's only a test. This is a test. This station is conducting a test of the emergency broadcasting system. This is only a test. I think they still kind of air now. And then that beep would come on. When when I was really little, I remember being scared. Like, what's happening? What's going on? And it was always during, like, Saturday morning cartoons. I'm confident they were messing with me the whole time. Now when that happens, instead of that beep on TV, it's like everybody's phone goes off at the same time, right? It's like, "Eh, eh, eh," for an amber alert or whatever else. And, you know, really what Peter's saying here is when, when we run into suffering, when we run into trials, because anybody who's lived more than about five minutes knows that you will, he says, maybe that beep should go off in the back of your head going, hey, this is a test. This isn't the end. This isn't your fate forever, if you know Jesus. This is only a test. It's a test. Which makes me think, uh, because Peter says it is, they're they're to test us. Don't be surprised when it comes upon you to test you. Have you ever thought about testing, maybe when you were in school, some of you uh, maybe who are in high school or in college, or if you're a teacher, or when you would take a test, That test kind of had two purposes behind it, right? It had the purpose on the one hand to confirm what you know, right? It was going to confirm you actually have paid attention. You've you've learned these things and you're good to go. On the other hand, it was there to reveal what you don't know and what you haven't learned yet. Well, I I think in a similar way, when when the Lord sends tests or he allows tests, they, they confirm to us Uh, who we are in Christ that confirm our trust and our faith in him. And at other times they reveal areas where we really still need him in a big way to show up and to grow us closer to him. Uh, You could really translate this instead of, um, you know, when the fiery trial comes upon you to test you, uh, you could rightly translate it as to prove you, to prove you, to prove you faithful, to prove who you are. Now, some of those tests too, by the way, when you think of testing, another type of testing, you think of maybe like a product getting tested by a company, right? They, they produce this thing and then they run it through all the tests. Or like if you've ever been to Ikea, they've got that thing that shows the thing sitting down in the chair and moving it back and you can see it can be sat in thousands of times and it'll endure. Well, a company will test their products again to, to confirm it's really what they say it is. And then other times though, if Uh, the product gets out into the real world, right? You take your car out and you're driving and uh, you hit a pothole. Now you're getting tested in real life, that product is, isn't it? And you test your tire, it tests your rim, it tests your shocks, depending on how close to Chicago you are, it tests the whole frame of your car when you hit that thing. And so there's tests that happen kind of in the factory to confirm and there's other tests that happen and it kind of, Are you going to be able to endure that or not? And I I think in a similar way as Christians, we go through tests kind of like that, where there there are times where where God does, he leads us into things and he uh, even sends things that are to be a test to refine us. 
In fact, uh, in Romans 8, it says that he's conforming us into the image of his son. And I've shared with you before, but I love what uh, Rick Warren says. You know, if, 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 if God is, is going to make us be like Jesus, he may have to take us through some of the same things he took his son through. And it may be hard, but again, he's, he's in control of all of it, isn't he? And then other times, uh, there's trials that just, that just come and they come out of nowhere and, and God doesn't necessarily send them onto us, but he does allow them and he, he's gonna use that as we trust him to, to prove us and to reveal things about us and to refine us and to test us. Do you see? Sometimes he'll send the test, sometimes he allows it, but in any case, he uses it. He promises to use it in our life. In fact, that's the good news. Earlier in Romans 8, it says that we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Notice, God doesn't say all things are good. He doesn't say that, that that trial you're going through or that you're coming out of or that you see on the horizon. He's not saying that that suffering is good. He's not just smiling and going, oh, isn't that just a great thing? No. In fact, he looks at it in the same way and he says, that's hard, that's painful, that's awful. But will you trust me? Because I'm still in, in control, I'm still at work. I'll use this in your life. I'll even work it for good. And you may not see it now. You may not see it for a couple years, but I'll work it for good, I promise. And we can trust him to do that like we sang this morning. He, he works it for good for those who are called according to his purpose, those who trusted Jesus. He doesn't say it's easy. He doesn't say it's fun. He doesn't say it's good. He says he'll work it for good. My wife will say sometimes, hey, if it's not good yet, it's not the end. Because <laughs> in the end, he's gonna work it for good. In fact, Peter even wraps up his letter after talking so much about suffering. He says, after you have suffered a little while, I like that part, those three words, a little while. After that, then, but, but look at the next part, it's even better. He says, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus will himself, he's gonna do it. He loves you, he's going to do it, he himself will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. This is why Jesus' little brother James, right? That he can say, count it all joy, my brothers, when you face trials of various kinds. And we look at it and we think, James is crazy. What's he talking about, count it joy? It's hard. Yeah, but he says, but that trial produces good things in your life as you trust the Lord. It produces steadfastness and endurance and Lean into that. Let steadfastness have its full effect. Trust him. Now, hear me. That is, and you know it, as well as I know it, standing here. Like, that's so easy to say. It's <laughs> so hard to live. So hard to live. But it's true. It's true. And you can trust him. And he'll bring you through. Peter tells us, you know, don't, uh, don't be surprised when those trials come, when suffering comes, and don't think that it's just something strange that's happening to you. 
You know, uh, in Western culture, we tend to look at suffering in that way, thinking, man, this is strange. Why is this happening to me? Don't you know all the things I've done? Lord, why, why, why? But the reality is, um, we've, we've kind of lived in anomaly the last couple hundred years in Western culture. And when you look at the history of the world and the history of the church and even around the world today, suffering is prevalent. And forget just the church. How about just people in general? Like, we live in a really messed up world. And the Bible tells us, it speaks reality to us, we live in a broken world. It's broken, friends. In, in fact, um, suffering is, is normal in a fallen world. Because of Adam and Eve's rebellion, the physical world itself has gotten corrupted and suffers decay Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 8. I'll put this on the screen for you. Romans 8, Paul says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that's to be revealed to us. Now, he doesn't say, I consider the sufferings of this present time a piece of cake. Does he? He doesn't say, I consider the sufferings as just nothing to even worry about or nothing to be concerned with. No, he doesn't say that. He just says, in the end, compared to the glory that's coming, we're gonna see Peter pick up on this, compared to what's coming, even as hard and as painful as it is now, like, it doesn't compare to the glory that'll be revealed. It doesn't compare to God's goodness. And with that in mind, I can trust him and endure right now, as hard as it might be. And then he goes on and he says, even creation, the creation even waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. It waits for that day. The creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And and it, Paul told us in verse 21 there, it's going to obtain freedom of the glory of the children of God. Like when when Jesus makes us fully new, he's going to make everything fully new. And it's going to be awesome. And the thing you've been through this last year, these last couple years, this last week, it's going to be so far in the rearview mirror and God's grace and his goodness is going to be so great. Friends, he promises it and he keeps every one of his promises. You can trust him. But because of our sin, the world is messed up. Because of Adam and Eve's sin, because of yours and mine and everyone else's, things like disease and natural disasters, they happen to everyone, don't they? They do. Modern science and technology have developed where we can kind of shield ourselves from some of it to a degree or, or, or prolong things for a while, but we can't eliminate them entirely. You know, there's still natural disasters that happen to everyone. Or even with medicine, like medicine is amazing and an incredible gift from God and makes our lives more enjoyable and, and longer and but I have yet to see the pill advertised that says you'll never, you'll never die. Because <laughs> it's not there. It just it prolongs. 
We live in a broken, messed up world. And in fact, all of the world is in rebellion against a perfect and holy God in our sin. And that's why we suffer. The good news is, God himself put on flesh. He came and conquered death and sin and the power of the enemy. And he's going to set everything right. And he can begin that process in your life now as you trust him. But everyone does suffer. And, the, you know, the, the hard part is that as a Christian, the reality is that, uh, the sobering reality is that there's actually maybe potentially even a little more for us. You know, um, when you became a Christian, what was the promise? Was the promise like, you follow him, life is going to be so much better. It's going to be good. There's going to be joy. There's all that stuff, right? Unicorns in the sky on rainbows. I mean, it's going to be awesome. I don't know about the unicorns part, but the rest of it is all true. It is absolutely true. You were not lied to. But there is an aspect of it that until Jesus returns, as a follower of Jesus, the other side of the coin is that there will be some suffering. Because uh, here's the deal. In, in our sin, we've all rebelled against God. All of us have. And in fact, the world has, has hated God so much so that when God put on flesh and came to this earth in the person of Jesus Christ, they murdered him. We murdered him. And Jesus says, if you trust him, that uh, you can expect to be treated in the same way that he was because now you're adopted into his family. You're God's child. And he says, if the world hated me, it's gonna hate you. You're like, boy, Josh, I, I'm so excited about all this good news today. I don't want you to be unaware. I don't want you to be surprised. Like Peter says, when you face trials and God uses those to test you. Jesus said in John 15, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And all throughout the New Testament, believers, they did suffer for their faith, including guys like Paul and Peter who writes all this. Paul even got to the point he wrote to Timothy. He said, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Suffering and opposition are just a normal part of the Christian life. Um, which tells me, you know, Christianity isn't a construct of Western culture. Because in our culture, for the last couple hundred years, we haven't suffered much other than maybe being mocked. And maybe that's going to be changing soon. It could. And, you know, if it does... It'll be hard, but it's not necessarily the worst thing that could happen because God will use that to test us, to confirm us, to restore us, and after we suffer for a little while, man, we're gonna be with Jesus forever. And even if you die in the midst of that, guess what? By the power of his spirit, he can get you out of the ground just like he did Jesus. That's awesome. So uh, as we trust him, you know, uh, there's, there's actually blessing. In fact, Peter tells us there's blessing later, but there's blessing now. Let's look at the later part first. Let's keep going, verse 13. Uh, Peter writes, he says, but insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings, but, or, but, excuse me, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. He's saying, uh, you know, it's really kind of amazing to think that 
we can have joy in our suffering for the cause of Jesus Christ. And insofar as we share in the same suffering that, that Jesus suffered in for being a Christian, we're going to share in the same rejoicing when his glory is revealed in the end. And Paul says that glory is so much better than this suffering that chances are when you get there, you're going to say, oh, that was as hard as it was. It was worth it for the glory that's to be revealed. Now, um, if you're like me, though, and you're hearing this, and you're like, oh, okay, Josh, but when I think of suffering, did Peter know what he's talking about? Blessed? I'm going to be blessed <laughs> if I suffer? Because that's what he says here in the next verse. If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Not just future to rejoice, but you'll, you're blessed present tense right now. Does, does he know what he's talking about? Because I don't know about you, I'll just speak from my heart, I don't, I don't go out of my way to look for suffering, right? I, I'm not a fan. In, in fact, um, there's a sense where I have this longing, do you, in my heart, not for suffering, but for peace <laughs> and for ease and for, for comfort and uh, even prosperity and all those things. I, I, how does that go in line with what he's saying here that as a follower of Jesus, we can expect to suffer. Well, that longing in our hearts, you know what that is? It's an echo that's just kind of lingering from the Garden of Eden when those things were normal. Until we sinned and we messed it up, but we still have that longing because the good news is Jesus is returning us to that state one day. And so we can trust him even now, even if we suffer like he suffered we can rejoice in the same glory when it's revealed. And even if we're insulted for that name, we're actually blessed. And look what he says. He says, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. I've told you a few times, you know, Peter often, he'll, he'll kind of reference Jesus because he was friends with Jesus. He also, I think maybe one of his favorite prophets was probably Isaiah because he quotes Isaiah all the time in this letter. And he does it again right here. In, in fact, the idea of the spirit of God resting upon you, does that sound like anything you've ever heard around Christmas time from Isaiah chapter 11? It goes like this. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, speaking of Jesus. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. You know, that passage Isaiah is referring to Jesus. Now Peter's saying, as we share in his sufferings and become like him and as God tests us and refines us and as we, we sh we're going to share in his glory in the end, when we're insulted in the same way now, we can actually know that we're blessed because that same spirit that rested on Jesus when he suffered and, the, and that got him out of the ground and that same spirit that uh, will rest on him in glory as he returns rests on you as you follow and trust Jesus. That's... That's an incredible thought. Paul says that the, the, the power of the spirit of God that, that, that rose Jesus from death is the same power that will raise you. And that Peter's telling us here rests upon us even when we suffer for his name and for that sake. Again, that's why guys like James could say count it all joy when you suffer trials, God's at work. 
Peter himself suffered and he left the presence of the council, Acts 5, rejoicing that he was counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. You know, uh, there are trials that we go through and where we suffer uh, as a Christian for the sake of the name, but do you know there's sometimes we suffer not because of following Jesus, but because we just do stupid things? Anybody knows that, don't you? I mean, we all know that. Look at, look at verse 15. Peter speaks to that truth too. He says, but if you, if you, in other words, he's saying, if you suffer for the name of Christ, that's good. You'll be blessed. You can rejoice. It's hard. You're going to make it. It's going to be good. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler. He's kind of talking trials versus consequence here. A trial, if you remember uh, back, I think, uh, week three of this whole series back in, in January, we talked about trials versus consequences. And, and trials really are those things where that God allows a painful and a hard circumstance in our life to shape our conduct and our character. But a consequence is when I've just made a sinful decision and now I've got consequences. I've got to deal with the natural outcome of the course of my actions. And we've got to kind of distinguish between the two because in a trial, I'm to embrace it and to trust the Lord through it. In a consequence, what do I do? I repent and I turn away from that thing and I turn back to Jesus. And uh, the, the crazy thing is though, is that oftentimes when we suffer a trial and we go through something hard, sometimes we can respond in a sinful way and now we're, we've got a trial to endure and a consequence to face. And it gets to be this messy mix. But the good news is we, we serve and worship a, a Lord who's faithful to take us through all of it. But Peter uh, just reminds us here and gives us a warning, don't suffer for the wrong things. You know, he had said in chapter two, don't suffer for doing evil, but for doing good. He says, uh, don't suffer as a murderer. You're like, I didn't murder anybody. I, I don't think I'm going to. As long as my kids can make it out of the house, we're gonna make it. You can laugh, it's okay. I know this is a heavy one this morning. Um, but you know, Jesus says, even if you hold anger against your brother or your sister in Christ, it's the same as murder. Or uh, he says, how about as a thief? Or as an evildoer? Or as a meddler? Do you know what a meddler is? A meddler is being overly involved in the affairs of someone else. In, in stuff you have no business sticking your finger into. Are you a meddler? Peter's kind of telling us sometimes our suffering is because of the word of Christ and following him. Sometimes our suffering and our hardship is just because we're sticking our finger in the beehive where it doesn't belong and we're getting stung. And we're not to meddle into the affairs of other people. We're to care for people, to love them, to be concerned, but we gotta know some boundaries where, you know what, that's their, that's their life and their yard and I'm not gonna trample on it. I'm just gonna stay here and this is my life and my yard and we're gonna live side by side together, do life together. And, but if I'm not invited into that situation, sometimes it's just simply meddling. Don't suffer for that. Don't suffer for being inappropriately involved in somebody else's affairs. You know where this seems to show up the most? Is in families. In families, right? Uh, I told, the, told him in the previous service, my son Charlie, he's five and he's starting, he's starting kindergarten in the fall, which is nuts to me. And so we had kindergarten roundup this week. And as we take him, and I just remember thinking all these different stages of life for him, 
And for whatever reason, I think one of the things God's been teaching me more and more is, you know, um, Josh, you don't have to step in and fix every problem of his. He needs to face some of those on his own, even at age five. You don't have to protect him from every little thing coming his way. You don't need to be a meddler. <laughs> I mean, there are certain things, yeah, I need to shape him, I need to help him and, and protect him, right? But more and more as time goes, as he goes to kindergarten and then eventually middle school and high school and hopefully one day uh, to college, gets married, whatever, however the Lord leads there, that relationship changes and it's, it's a different relationship, isn't it? And so I'm not meddling in his life. So I don't know, I just bring that up. You know, maybe sometimes some of our relational uh, frustration, even in families, is uh, maybe, maybe because of something like this, of, of maybe some meddling or whatever else. And there's, there's all kinds of other examples. That's just the very obvious one that comes to my mind as I think of that. But in any case, Peter's simply saying, don't suffer for doing something stupid. Suffer for the name of Jesus. Because then he says in verse 16, yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. But let him glorify God in that name. Let him glorify God in that name. Do you know, this is only one of two places in all the New Testament that refers to believers in Jesus Christ as Christians. The other one being in, in, uh, in Acts chapter 11. And uh, it, just, it just really means a follower of Jesus, somebody who's becoming like Jesus. And he says, under that name or in that name, Acting in Christ's name. If you suffer for that, that's a good thing. You can rejoice. You'll be blessed. But if you suffer for sin, repent. Turn back, right, from those consequences. Peter says, don't be surprised if you suffer. Just know God is working. He's working. And he's in control. Whatever the, the, the cause or the nature of your trial, of your suffering... Don't, don't lose sight of the fact that God is still at work. He's still in control. He is. You know, um, as he speaks of it here, one of the evidences of that, he, he talks about judgment even. He says, for it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. God hasn't, we've seen already, he hasn't forgotten about judgment. He isn't, uh, slow to judge, like some might count slowness, Peter has said, but, uh, but he is, he's at work. He's being patient with us. And there will be, even for Christians, a time of judgment. Now, when, when Peter says here, it's time for judgment to begin at the household of God, and it begins with us, he, he's, um, he's not saying judgment in terms of like your eternal security and your eternal home. If you're a follower of Jesus, that judgment has been uh, placed upon and meted out, that wrath has been meted out upon Jesus Christ. He's the propitiation for our sins. He satisfies God's wrath for my sin and your sin as you trust him, right? However, there is still a sense where before the Lord, we give an account for the way we've lived our lives. And there is a sense then in which uh, all of this suffering is... Uh, used by God as a grace in our life to conform us into the image of Jesus so that when that judgment takes place, I'm more like Christ than I would have been originally. And, and I can stand there with confidence, even more confidence before him 
of his love for me and his work in my life. One note here, I'm not going to go to these passages, but if you're interested, I can give you some info. When, when Peter's saying this, he he's really probably has in mind some passages from the Old Testament. In Ezekiel, uh, I think chapter 9, and in Malachi and Zechariah. In Ezekiel, it talks about God's judgment coming on the house of God, uh, starting with the elders in the house and then spreading out. And in that case, it's talking about judgment because they've broken the covenant with God. They've rebelled against him and they're being judged for that. But notice, even in that judgment, God never breaks his side of the covenant. He's still faithful to his people. And the same with us. And then in, in Micah and Zechariah, it talks about God being a refining fire at time of judgment. And he's changing us and shaping us to be more like Jesus Christ, more like his son. Which really makes sense in context of Peter talking about all of these things and how we can rejoice and know we're blessed in it. He says, uh, if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? He quotes there from Proverbs 11. Friends, uh, you should know, uh, if you are a follower of Jesus, you've trusted him, you've put your faith in him, you are secure in him, but he's working in your life. He wants you to become more and more like Jesus throughout your life. And he wants that so much for you. Because that's your end destination. He wants you to know that and experience that now. If you've never trusted him, you need to know, though, that uh, though as a Christian, I'll be judged and stand before the Lord to give an account for my life. Uh, but apart from the blood of Jesus, I would not only suffer judgment for how I've lived my life, I'd suffer judgment in terms of the wrath of God being poured out on me for my sin. A wrath that's a, a fiery wrath and painful. In fact, in, in Revelation, I'm just, I'm just telling you this because you, you need to know and it's, it's a loving thing to tell you. Revelation says the torment of that, that fire, of judgment for sin, the smoke of that wrath goes up forever and ever. You know what the good news is? Anyone who would turn to Jesus can be saved including you. No matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, no matter, no matter, no matter anything. And if you have trusted him and maybe you've, uh, you've turned from him and you realize he's drawing you back and maybe some of that suffering is to, to draw you close to him again, he would take you back again today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, every single time with arms open wide because he loves you. Never too late in this life to turn to him. So don't be surprised if you suffer. God is using that. He's working. He's in control. And you can trust him. Kind of said these things over and over the whole morning, haven't we? We haven't really unpacked all of it little by little, but it's all been there the whole time. You can trust him. In fact, as Peter says it, therefore let those who suffer according to God's will Entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. He says, who suffer according to God's will. Meaning sometimes our, our suffering is, God sends it, God allows it, it's according to his will. And that might be a hard thing to understand and, and maybe even to reconcile with your understanding of who God is, but let, let me just throw this out. If, 
if it's not according to his will, if God isn't ultimately in the background working and in control, like we've said, well, then what with your suffering? He's not going to fix it. If he's not going to keep his promise and if he, if he couldn't allow those things to happen and if he's, he doesn't have his hand on it, then what? How awful is that? And hopeless. But thankfully, he is in control and we can entrust our soul to a faithful creator and we can keep doing good even in the midst of it. Again here, uh, Peter references Jesus. Do you know that? Do you remember uh, when Jesus was in the garden, he said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And then when he's on the cross in uh, Luke 23, calling out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And like Jesus, we we can suffer and trust the Lord knowing he's at work. And we can entrust our souls to a faithful God who will not, will not let you go. He may allow you and even take you through some hard things. But his love for you, his concern for you has not changed. He has not abandoned you. And he longs to make you more and more like his son. So that on that day you can stand before him and he can say, well done, Good and faithful servant, enter into my, my rest. That'll be a good day. Friends, it's a heavy message. And um, Peter has more to say to us, uh, uh, but I think that's probably the heaviest one left in terms of suffering. But it's a good reminder to us because suffering is a part of life. But you can trust the Lord through it. Let's pray.